This is Pup Tech Nation. The weekly show where we talk about the most interesting stories taking place in the publishing and technology world. This is the week of November 9, 2015. I'm your host, Shovik Paul, joined by my co-host, Mike Rom. Hey, Meg. How is it going, Show? How are you? Uh, I am good. I can't believe how warm it is in New York City on, uh, you know, we're, we're halfway through the month of November and it's still really warm. It's incredible. Um, you know, I don't know if you saw, have you seen Amy Schumer's stand-up uh, on HBO? No. She has a, she has a stand-up. Uh, it's really funny. I suggest everyone watch it. She has this joke. I'm taking it a little bit out of context, but she's talking about a topic where she, she uh, likens it to the few days before a tsunami. And a few days before a tsunami, the tide actually gets pulled in and all these fishermen think it's like, you know, it's it's payday because they're catching fish. It's really easy. The fish are just yeah. rolling up to the shore and then they look up and, you know, yeah. there's so, something terrible coming. That's sort of what I feel like right feel now. Like, we, we're like catching all these fish. It's we're going to be sitting out in here next May saying it's snowing outside, basically. Winter is coming. Right. Is what, that's what I'm saying. So, <laughs> but I'm enjoying it for now. If you're joining us for the first time, this isn't a show about the weather. Uh, this is where Mike and oh, I, it's no, it's not Mike, uh, or, I gotta or go. Amy Schumer, um, but this is where Mike and I sit around, we talk about all the cool things that are happening in tech, uh, we're both out of the publishing industry, so we marry all of that and what we're learning about tech uh, to publishing, so welcome to the show, if you don't already follow us on Twitter, please uh, follow Pub Tech Nation on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, and a lot of the stuff we talk about, we also tweet about, and we sometimes tweet about, uh, you know, different news uh, articles that we're reading about, so be sure to follow us. All right, cool. let's get started. So the first topic that I really want to talk about is the new Apple TV. Um, and it's also going to lead to a broader concept, something that's called app thinning, that I think is, is actually something that I learned a lot about this past week. Um, but let's first start at the top. Like the new Apple TV is out. Uh, show like what's the deal with the new Apple TV? Like what are the benefits to users or Listen, publishers? I, I mean, so we got one. Um, uh, that Mike and I were able to play around with. Um, I, I, we got it what like about a month back on mm -hmm. on a developer license, right. and it's great. Look, for, I've had an Apple TV in my house for a while um, in multiple rooms. I love the product. I love it's basically a box, just like Roku or whatever else, where you stream movies into. Mm -hmm. I think the big difference with this new version, this Apple TV two, is the fact that you can now have apps. Right, I, and the remote is very different. It's got and, this. And, and the the original Apple TV had apps, no? Uh, it, it, not the way I guess a average consumer looks at apps. Okay. I, I think the big difference really is it's you can, for example, have your games right like. You can suddenly play Candy Crush on your TV, right? So basically what you're saying is third parties can develop apps That's now. correct. So okay. third parties can develop apps, so it's not just like Hulu and Netflix. Uh, imagine next to the Hulu and Netflix that there is a, uh, oh, I don't know, a, a Candy Crush you know, uh, app button, right? Got it. And they're going to have, uh, they've already launched an app store. Uh, where, again, you can go just like on your phone or your tablet, you can go search for apps, download those apps. Um, obviously, Apple and the guys who are building these third parties that are building the apps are hoping that you're going to spend some money. I'm sure there's going to be like a whole uh, ranking and category and everything else. So no different than what you already see on your, on your phones and your tablets. I think the main difference here is 
you know, I, I, I think a lot of people were doing this dual screen experience or a lot of times it's, 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 you know, me sitting on the couch saying, hey, I'm looking at this thing on my phone. Like if I'm shopping, I'm like, hey, do you want this? Um, or I'm, I'm looking at an article. I'm like, hey, do you want to do you want to read this? And I'm pulling the other person over to my screen on my phone that's sitting next to me or like, do you want to play this game with me? And the mm -hmm. reality is there's really no way to even do that on a phone where you can share that experience. I think what Apple is going for here is capturing or being able to capture multiple eyeballs and get them to engage together in this app environment, which they haven't been really like, if you look at again, phones and tablets and everything, it's a very one-to-one -one experience. It's not like you and I are sitting around huddled around the same screen on my phone very often. Right. And I think it's, <clears throat> you know, we work in the tech industry, we work with publishers, hence obviously the name of our podcast. Um, it, it's, it, there's a huge spectrum to how people are looking at the Apple TV. I think from our vantage point um, and looking at this for what we do professionally, it's super exciting because, you know, you look at, you just look at the iPhone as the analogy. The first iPhone shipped with Apple developed apps. There was no app store. That's the playground that the Apple TV has been living in for the past five years. And based on what you're saying, which is definitely accurate, now Skype can develop their app. Candy Crush right. can develop their app. Yeah, Games I mean, and utilities and everything. Um, and, and as of this week, there's about 3,000 live apps. Okay, so people are obviously... Yeah. I mean, that, that's that's not a huge number, but you know, for week one, it actually yeah. is a pretty big number. Well, it's a small number when you compare it to like the, broader the app million store. plus apps yep. that you find on the Apple App Store or otherwise. Yep. Right? So I think, you know, I think you're right. And of course, let's, what we should definitely do is talk for a second about what this can mean for publishers. But before we even get there, let's flip the switch to like an everyday consumer who's talking to my buddy and I'm like, I know I got, you know, I know he has an Apple TV. I'm like, are you going to get the new one? And he's like, well, yeah, I think I'm going to get it. Like it'll play my iPhone videos faster than the current one, right? And I'm like, I was laughing because basically what he's saying, for those of you that have an Apple TV, if you have an iPhone, it's really nice because you could easily mirror your iPhone on your Apple TV. Something that everyone wants to do is you took a video at your like daughter's birthday party last week and you want to put it on your Apple TV. It takes like five minutes for that right, to get right. going. It's the worst. Right. Like so I, I just think it, you mean? Yeah, airplane yeah. basically. Yeah. I think it's very funny because industry folks are really excited about the broader implications, right, right, right. which I think are really important. Right. I think the everyday consumers is like, will airplay work? <laughs> A little faster, right, 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 which is fair right. because you want sure. like a, a discernible feature that's sure. better. Sure, uh, but let's flip it back to publishers. Like, what what does this mean? So, look, I mean, Mike, the the biggest opportunity really here is again, like, you know, in most brands and most publishers these days have a lot of videos, right? And you so, think, you think most? A lot do. I mean, I wouldn't say everyone does, but like the, the big guys, uh, the, the big guys, even even the mid tier publishers have like nowadays, it's not just about, OK, I'm just going to have an article. Right. Everyone's trying different things because you're no longer just like a one trick pony as a media company. Right. You're you're you're, you know, trying to hit different segments that may be connecting with your brand in different ways. Right. Essentially, that's what you're doing with Twitter as well. You're tweeting two sentences versus two paragraphs, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and so people are coming up with videos and this and that. I think the, the big thing that happens is once we get home, sure, we're on our phones a lot, but a lot of people just put on their TV or in, in the mornings when you wake up, you put on your TV and during that time, you're on a screen, but you're not really connecting with brands, right? And I think here's a really interesting opportunity for publishers, if they can do it in a meaningful way, to be able to connect 
with those eyeballs while the person's not on their computers visiting their websites, right, of the, of the, the brand's websites, on their phones, maybe going to, you know, the brand's app or whatever else. Here's yet another opportunity to really monetize and, like, capitalize on that eyeball. But having said all that, Mike, I think it... You know, when, when we're, let's say, talking to like a new, if we're talking about like a newspaper company, we're talking to, you know, talking about a magazine, to me, the wrong approach here is to say, hey, let's like toss up our magazine on that rather large screen and, and hope people read that magazine. I don't think that's the play here. So, so g- give me an example. I always find that like when you give a real life example, people can wrap their heads a yeah, little more. So, so like, like what, what is... Like walk me through how a publisher would take advantage of this new medium. Okay, so so let's say you are uh, Cosmo, right? Um, or let's, I mean, for that matter, any sort of uh, entertainment lifestyle okay. fashion brand, right? And you have a video channel, and you're you're going through painstakingly creating these videos every you know every week, every month, whatever else. And there's obviously some production value and everything else. You're putting it on your website. Some put it on Vimeo, YouTube. Great, all those are, are great. To me, it is very meaningful to then make that video available on, you know, on this Apple TV channel, right? Let's just call it a channel for now. It's really like an app. Now, to really take it a step further, I think that as a publisher, you know, uh, Mike, you and I went to this conference uh, yesterday called uh, Mobile Matters by mm-hmm. MPA, and, and, and a lot of brands, a lot of publishers were, were talking about video. And the one thing I can Staggering s- numbers, right? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of the big guys, and it was like I mean, Sports Illustrated did like 3,000 videos last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's 10 a day. That's, it's insane. That's it's really insane. Crazy. I mean, people, are, it is a lot about videos, right? Now, here's, the, here's one of the things I consistently heard, and it was publishers saying things like, I'm making this number up just for the sake of simplicity, but they'd say something like 50% of our audience watches videos, right? 50% of our audience, uh, of that audience, watches the videos, but then also watches the pre-roll. The other other half just shut, shut it down once they see a pre-roll. To me, that's not a very accurate number. In other words, look, personally, I wake up in the morning, I have my TV on, I'm looking looking at news or whatever else, right? Then I, while I'm going to work, I now am reading a lot more content on my Apple Watch, right? On, you know, on the way to work, I'm on my phone. When I get to work, I'm on my computer, then sort of reverse order, right? I'm on the commute back home, I'm doing all these things. And then at the end of the evening, I'm on my TV again, right? So, if let's say I'm in the middle of the day and you, you know, I'm walking down to my next meeting and you hit me with a, a, the brand says, watch this video. And this may be a brand that I love, I follow, I'm a dedicated, loyal user, right, of this brand. If you hit, even if with that brand, if they hit me with this, watch this video, you know, now, I'm not going to engage with that brand. Right? I'm not going to engage and watch that video simply because, A, I'm not willing to watch that video on my phone right now because, again, it's not the right time. And, you know, w- w- the brand's hoping that later on you remember to go back at a better time and do it. And to me, it, it, it's really, and, and since I don't watch the video, the brand says, well, he's part of that other 50% that didn't watch the video. To me, it's really about the fact that the brand didn't hit me with that video on the right device at the right time. Now, if I went home, I'm leaning back on the couch, you know, uh, feet on the table, and at that point of the brand says, hey, do you now want to watch the same video? I'm much more likely to watch the video. Not only that, Mike, I think the interesting part about that is 
I'm much more willing to be served an ad at that point as well. You run a pre-roll at that point while I'm on my couch with my TV on, right? And it's playing that ad on that t TV. I'm, I'm used to seeing ads on TV. So I'm much more willing to be also served an ad. So to me, the, the really ideal experience here is for brands to figure out a way to stay connected with the user through the day across multiple devices and going taking it back to the TV if I can let's say even on my watch say you know hey do you want to watch the video no not now but I'm gonna watch it later I go home I'm on my couch I turn on my Apple TV and it says great here are the videos for Cosmo for whatever XYZ brand that you say through the day do you now want to watch the videos? I am much more likely to watch the videos there. Cool. So, so the thing that's, 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 that's made out what you're throwing out there is, is the thing that's really exciting to me is the utility of being able to like notify someone about a video the way that they're doing it right now, but not relying on them to watch it right there and then. Be yeah. Being hitting a button and then and then being able to have them re-engage in a much more appropriate way, and then couple that with the fact that you're now getting your your reader to engage in their living room on their big screen TV. So really interesting ad possibilities there as well. Yeah, and, and I'll add in one final thing, which is, look, uh, a lot of especially like mid to larger size brands are getting into like creating lengthier segment videos, right? Mm -hmm. That was actually something I was going to ask you about. Because right? it's my one of my personal biggest takeaways from yesterday was the diversity of video compared to what platform we're talking about. Right. Snapchat. All, of course, all like, vertical eight, phone. Eight or nine second videos. Right? Eight or nine like second max. videos, yeah. but also like it's almost better if the quality is worse. Like yeah. it's a raw, right, natural right, right. iPhone right. vertical video right. meant to be not only short in in duration, but like right. almost low in production quality like right. purposefully. Right. That's not going to be great on a TV, I don't right. think. So right. it's got to be the right video. Like video, it's just, it's a broad word right now. It, it is a broad word. I mean, look, it, it, yeah, nine second video is definitely not. I think if you have a series of, you know, to start off with, if you're a brand, let's say that doesn't have lengthy videos, you could take a whole bunch of two minute videos that you've created, put it into a Apple TV, again, like a channel, an app, right? And it, think about it. Like, Mike, how often in an evening do I open up or, you know, do we all open up Netflix and simply just like waste half an hour looking for stuff, right? Without even watching it. We're like, what should we watch next? What should we, oh, this looks interesting. And all we're doing is like curating this list. To me, it's really interesting to say something like, hey, uh, okay, great. Like I'm into, you know, I'm into whatever, like Cosmo or Forbes or whatever, you know, like whatever my interest may be. I open up that channel. Even if they're two minute videos, I'm getting these two minute clips and they're auto playing, right? Mm -hmm. Right, so this clip ends, it goes into the next one. So maybe aggregate, I spend 10, 15, 20 minutes or whatever. Uh, but you know, it's a it's it's a it's a aggregation of like two minute clips over that 10 minute, pe 10 minute period, right? So they show me five clips or whatever else. And maybe again, if you're serving me a pre roll, I'm not as offended seeing an ad on a TV because that's how I've always seen TV, right? right. As a matter of fact, you know, when you know, uh, when when up until recently, there was no concept of even fast-forwarding through ads, right? Leave alone skipping ads altogether. So, you know, I, I, I think there is a huge opportunity, but you bring up a really good point, Mike, which is, you know, eventually it, it, it's got to move beyond. Like, I think for publishers, the hurdle here is going to be, here's yet another format, 
right, mm -hmm. that they have to think about. And it's not just about how do we get it onto the Apple TV, right? I mean, look, there, there, there are companies like Maz that are, you know, they're one of our sponsors. They're already creating a platform to get you onto the Apple TV. So I think that's not, you know, that hurdle is going to be crossed fairly soon, right? But I, I do think the bigger hurdle is going to be how do we... Like, if all I've been doing for the last two or whatever, three years, is creating these two-minute, you know, or in the case of Snapchat, eight-second videos, mm -hmm. now what does it mean to be on the TV? Because people do maybe want to watch 10-minute videos, right? Do I have to create more, like, web series-type videos, right? Um, which, again, all of these things we're not going to know, but it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm excited to see, like, what else other than video, like it's a very obvious thing. Apple TV, you're on a big screen. TV, you're on a, the, the big screen in the living room. But if you have video content, perfect. I, I'm. I like to see like what else can you do with this arena? You know, like I'll give you. I mean, it's a very straightforward example. I can imagine if I am watching some interview on on that's basically coming from Forbes um, on my big screen, like even having some sort of sidebar and seeing the most relevant social action, seeing what people are saying about yep. it in real time. You know, you see yeah. that a little bit already. Like yeah, even yeah, with some of the smart TVs and stuff. Yeah, even like yeah. CNN sometimes has like live tweets on yeah, the right yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. But I could see but, if but, that's but maybe curated. it's more like your, yeah, like more your friends and stuff. That'd be really cool. Right? Like yeah. more your friends like commenting about this kind of stuff. But like also I think that like you know, I think in the sort of fast forwarding in the future, the opportunity here is also, you know, once maybe main, like if it's, you know, Apple TV starts partnering with the actual like channels, right? Imagine watching Bloomberg, right? Or a certain segment on Bloomberg, right? As I'm watching it says, well, hey, we noticed you, you subscribe to Forbes and Apple would know that because I bought a subscription to Forbes mm -hmm. through Apple. Being able to pull it up and say, there's a related article here. You should be reading this, you know, or maybe you don't subscribe to Forbes. There's a related article to this segment, you know, this show, you should go subscribe to this magazine mm -hmm. or, or this, at least buy this single issue, you know, right. read it on your iPad, you know, whatever else. Cool. Well, I mean, let, let's also, let's take a couple of minutes and get really techie for a second. Uh, something that really jumped out to me when I was going to buy my Apple TV, the new one, is that it came in 32 and 64. Mm-hmm. Gig, uh, gigabytes and this is weird for me because I just bought a 128 gig phone. Yep. So you're telling me this is gonna be my like, you know, my living room portal or hub. Uh, I'm gonna be able to play games yep. and watch these videos and do all this crazy stuff. But like the memory seemed really, really low, especially right. for the fact that this is really supposed to be a gaming platform, also. Right. So it brought me to a concept that I really didn't know about. I'm, I'm a little bit embarrassed to say it, but I have a feeling a lot of our listeners probably don't know about it, which is app thinning. Um, real quick, let's just go about it, uh, go over it, because I think it's important if you're in publishing or technology just to be aware. In this year's Worldwide Developers Conference, Apple announced app thinning uh, with iOS 9, and it's actually a really simple concept. It's basically a way to reduce the size of your app. Simple, right? And we've all been there. Our phones get really full. Mm -hmm. We can't download more apps. We mm -hmm. can't save Spotify playlists. We can't even update to the newest operating system, yep. which, by the way, I think this is the real reason why Apple's actually right, using right, this right. app thinning system. But how does it work? It, 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 there's two concepts, and, and even for like completely non-technical fo uh, folks, I think this will make sense. Slicing and on-demand resources. Very simply, slicing is the idea that every time that you're downloading, let's just say I download. Uh, Forbes on my iPhone. Uh, before iOS 9, I am actually downloading assets that are only relevant for the iPad and then just for iPad 2 and for iPhone 5 and 6. Point being is 
typically you're, when you're downloading an app, you're downloading all this stuff, like literally launch screens and other assets that cannot render on your phone. You're downloading it for every possible device. So slicing is the idea that now it's going to detect your device and only download the stuff that you need for the specific device you're on, which is going to lead to lower um memory usage and the other thing with on-demand well, resources space, right? uh, local hard drive space right. on your iPhone or iPad or whatever right. so right. the initial app download will be smaller because of slicing even potentially more interesting is this whole on-demand resources thing again I don't want to get like too far into the weeds but essentially it's because you're almost always connected, and especially on the, like they're really showcasing this concept on the TV. Because remember, your phones, you are disconnected, or you have crappy service a lot of your day. Your the TV is really assuming that you have this constant, steady stream of like solid Wi-Fi. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the the entire box wouldn't work if if, if exactly. you weren't connected. Yeah, right? if your Wi-Fi goes down, you're basically yeah, yeah, you're, you're out. Crap right. out of luck. Right. Um, and the point is that Apple. It's a little bit weird for developers. Uh, you're, you're kind of giving up a lot of control, but Apple is going to be constantly downloading and then deleting, uh, or what they call purging, uh, data based on you know your usage. I mean, a very straightforward example is a game. You know, a 10 level game, when you're on level one, uh, you're not gonna have levels four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's gonna happen as you're playing. So, a lot of people are worried, like, especially for your phone, like, what if I'm on the go and I wanna play all 10 levels on the plane and maybe Apple didn't uh, download the stuff in the background? Right. So, like, there is some user experience stuff that people are a little worried about, but I think for now, let's give Apple the benefit of the doubt and, and developers the benefit of the doubt that they're gonna be able to set this stuff up where. It's just a smarter system because, again, it's just it's inefficient for you to have stuff in the app within your phone that either a can never be used by your phone because it's iPad specific or something like that, or if contextually, again, games are a great example. If you couldn't cannot play level ten until you get to level nine, and the person's on level two, and like the average time it takes, and all these things right, right. factored in, it, it doesn't make sense for you to have an extra gigabyte of stuff on your phone. I think it'll actually be a very good thing it, it, for it user makes, experience. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, the, Mike, I, I think the one question I think I have about all of this is, uh, again, like Apple TV, I think for now is very it's catering to the U.S. market. And here in the U.S. market, we all have broadband access, and you know we're 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 used to really fast download speeds. I wonder what their international and growth strategy is going to be, especially in places where, you know, again, like you go to places like India where mobile usage is really high, right? And everyone's got pretty stable, good connections. It may not be high speed, but they got decent connections. Whereas at homes, that's not the case, right? A lot of people don't even have home connections to the internet, and even when they do. Uh, the reality is, you know, the download strengths are not, you know, the speeds and the strength of it is, yeah. is not that great. So, like, how how does this scale internationally? Again, I, probably something to be seen. You know? Yeah, for sure. It, it is it is something to be seen. And uh, it's funny. People do often bring that up. It's like, hey, Wi-Fi is really crappy in these developing nations. So, but, but then, like, let's reverse it. So, like, what's the opposite? Like, having... A, a terabyte of storage so you could download everything. Guess what? If your Wi-Fi is crappy, you're, you're not able to download either. You just can't use I this guess, stuff. But I guess you know? like, we're also used to, I, you know, and, and maybe this is why Apple does think differently and it's interesting to see what, what's going to happen. Um, but when you look at all the other in-home consoles, like true consoles, which I think Apple's trying to become, mm -hmm. right? Uh, when you're looking at the Xbox and you're looking at the PS4, like, 
those things have huge storage capacity. Yeah, but you really can't play the games unless you're on Wi-Fi. You can't play Halo unless you're on Wi-Fi. Mm. It's um, it's it's just a necessary. You need to be connected to like use this stuff. We'll see. I mean, yeah. I mean, but the reality is sometimes a lot of users like I I don't connect a lot to play games on my my PS4. I just play the games, you know. But that right. that may be as a user like I, I'm not I'm not on you know uh, online you know on these um, right which is know. basically the norm though these days yeah yeah no i i totally get it and again like it's we're, we're gonna have to wait and see what happens for sure know? but it's definitely interesting stuff that's the bit on app thinning that's the apple tv in general so while we're on let's maybe flip flip the switch a little bit we're yeah. talking a lot about video uh-huh. let's get to our favorite topic of all time which is just monetization in a, in a broad sense mm-hmm. um a lot of what we talk about of course is publisher monetization which usually falls into two buckets right uh paid or subscription content mm-hmm. and advertising mm-hmm. and i think what's stump what we're stumbling on now and what we should definitely open up a conversation about is some of the new things we're seeing in the subscriber market for media uh youtube red um there's a new YouTube service for premium members coming out for nine ninety nine. It's called Red. Um, well, it came out. It, it came, sorry, yeah. it came out. Yeah. Um, I'm very because I got a notification in the mail saying, you know, bought, you know, now upgrade to YouTube Red. Right. Right. And I'm, it was it's for how much? So, it's nine ninety nine. Uh-huh. Like. Well, that's a very reminiscent price of the music uh, services we see, right, like RDIO right. and Spotify right. and Deezer and right. whatever, Apple Music. Right. It's $9.99. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, I, I, well, also, also Netflix, right? What are we paying for Netflix? Like eight bucks, eight ninety nine. Is that what like it that? is? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think it's you know Hulu. What do we pay for Hulu? So it's all it's yeah. all the same, right? Okay, so cool. That, like, no, no, I like nine, these examples. Nine dollar. You know, I, I like you throwing the video thing into the. Well, right. you should be talking about video because right. it's YouTube. Right. But there's a big. We're probably going to jump in a lot of different places, but let's throw this out there. Something I didn't realize, I've known about this service for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. You and I are probably have a little debate right now about mm-hmm. whether it's going to be successful or not. Mm-hmm. But before we even get there, I didn't realize this, but at least for now, Google Music, so Google's music service, mm-hmm. is tied to YouTube Red and vice versa. If you get one, you get the other, Okay. which completely changes my opinion on whether I think this is a good deal or not. Really? I'm getting on-demand music. Like, people are subscribing to Google Music just for the music, and a lot of people find it just as good, if not better, than Apple Music or Spotify. Now I'm getting ad-free YouTube videos and the ability to save them offline. Like, that seems like it's a really good deal. Huh. No? I don't know. I don't know, Mike. I what's mean, your opinion? What, like, what's, so, what's your so here, reaction? Here's my, my reaction is, you know, I do watch a lot of YouTube videos. I think just like everybody else, I'm usually watching it on my phone. Again, I, you know, if I was spending, and maybe I'm not the right demographics, right? But I'm not, it's not like I'm spending hours watching this, right? On the weekends, I'm not saying, should I open up YouTube right now or should I watch something on Netflix, right? I'm, I'm always pulling up Netflix or Hulu or one of these things. What they're really competing against, again, is like my, during my real downtime, right? Uh, if I have an hour to kill, what am I willing to pay for? In my mind, because that's when I'm willing to pay for something. If it's about five minutes, two minutes, 30 seconds, serve me whatever ad, I'm not paying for that time. Right. I also do think that there is a inherent value associated with paying for things like, um, you know, Hulu or Netflix. In the case of Netflix, there's a lot of original programming now, but I'm also getting like Hollywood, you know, 
Hollywood, real Hollywood movies, right? Whereas right. to me, YouTube's still like guys falling down the stairs and proposing, you know, marriage proposals to their girlfriends. I'm going, yeah, you know what? Like, I can live without this stuff where it's, it, it's funny, it makes my day, I see something interesting, maybe I learn something new. But will I be, we be willing to, at this point, and look, talk to me a year later, I might be a subscriber, will I be willing to pay the same amount as I pay for like a, a seemingly endless library of Hollywood produced movies on Netflix or every possible TV show on Hulu, exactly the same amount, right? Will I be willing to pay that? I, I don't know, man. I, it seems like it's it's a lot of money. So I think and Google Music, like that's not a big selling point because I'm already subscribed to Spotify. Yeah, but you but you don't need to be. Is the interesting thing. Now. Yeah, but but then like listen, I, I don't know if that's like so. For example, I also get Amazon Prime, right? Mm -hmm. And with Amazon Prime, I get Amazon Prime movies, which by the way, that's growing as well, right? Yep. We should we should throw them into the mix because they they're they're a they they're winning Emmys. They're they've got a lot of original programming that's growing. They also throw in Amazon Music, but like I don't know if users are making those decisions based on that. It's there's a lot of good points there, like. You and I are both not the demographic. If if you are under 21 years old, you do not come home and like throw on like Fox and watch like a Seinfeld rerun. You are doing one of two things. You are on Snapchat or you are cranking on YouTube. You're no, watching PewDiePie for hours. Let, 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 let me throw an option three, which is Netflix and chill. <laughs> they coined that term. What do you it's mean? True. The, the, it's true. The, the, but the general, okay, okay. So, so like the 18, 19, 20 year olds are chilling. Yeah, yeah. I don't think the 13 year olds are chilling yet. So it's maybe just Netflix. But I think I mean it's actually something we should follow up on, like Netflix usage based on uh, ages, because I would I would venture to say it's like people my age, at least 20 year olds and like older, that are really dominating Netflix. Because like I just don't think the, I'm generalizing here, but younger folks like. It, not not as many of them are sitting there and just cranking out like two hour movies. It's a lot of like PewDiePie videos. Fine. So let's take that thirteen year old Mike. Yep. I, I'm betting they don't have the dis like the, the the income, right, to pay that so, nine dollars. So they need right? to ask their so, so you're, you're you're their wrong. No, well, the, well, well all, parents pay for all thirteen year old kids stuff. Generally speaking, yeah. Um, mom and dad, like, I really want a music service and my videos and all this stuff. Cool. So should we do Spotify and Hulu and all this stuff for like a total of thirty bucks a month or nine ninety nine for all of it? It's all of a sudden becoming really attractive, and. Let me throw something I, I else know, out my, there. I know. My kid walked in the door and said, I, I, want, I want you to pay nine bucks for For, for all of my entertainment. For, for YouTube? Yeah. I'd be like, for what? Who am I paying this? YouTube? I'd say, get out of here. Go okay. watch some ads, man. So as, as a, uh, you know, a successful um, business person as yourself, let's rephrase the way that your kids pitched that to you all right, all right, and all right. said, not nine ninety nine not nine ninety nine for YouTube. Dad. Do you think you could pay $9.99 for all of my entertainment needs, including my videos that I watch and the games that – well, I guess not really games, but the music that I listen to and all this stuff in a world where I grew up asking my parents for money for CDs and movie tickets and all this stuff. Like if you could clump that all together, $9.99, you could cut, cut your cable, which is $150 a month. Yeah, I guess. I mean they have – and they're, they're also going to be creating original content, which I know is always so, a big one. So, so listen, Mike. I, I think that brings up a good point, right? Look – it's true. Exclusives. Look, 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 even, yeah, exclusives, right? Yeah. In other words, even when Netflix started, there was no exclusive content, right? Correct. 
But now you have everything from like Narcos to whatever, right? Which like is the, why the, they're, they, whatever it is, quadrupled in value. Yeah, e- exactly, years. right? So, so to me, if, and I know YouTube with YouTube studio, studios and like they've been really focusing on, you know, I, I think the transition was from just like these random videos to some sort of like web series for like more popular um, personalities on YouTube mm-hmm. to like, I think once they start really championing this whole like, um, you know, uh, turning these people into stars and real shows and reality shows or whatever else that become like real, not just webisodes, but again, like TV episodes Mm -hmm. or potentially doing real movies. Right. Which again, now, right now it seems really, really crazy of an idea. Like what YouTube's going to be making, you know, uh, Oscar winning movies, but like here we are today with Netflix doing that. right? Right. You know, I don't know if you've seen. Um, have you seen *Beasts of No Nations*? No, but I heard it was. Oh, phenomenal! I heard right. It was I mean, this is this, by the way, the the, the first movie that was uh, produced by Netflix, and it's a real like Hollywood movie. It was I believe like released in the theaters concurrently. Phenomenal movie. But but here we are. That's what Netflix is doing, mm-hmm. right? So I, I can see five years from now, maybe yeah. At that point, it's like, well, I must have YouTube because there's there's five shows on, you know. Um, YouTube that I, I must see. So let me let me throw this on its side a little bit here. I used to use this app called Tubi Pro. It still exists, but the main feature why I used it um, doesn't exist because Apple removed it. It was a YouTube app that allowed me to download YouTube videos yep, offline. Yep, yep. And let me tell you something. It was the most glory and like I'm not even a guy who's I, I can't even say I use YouTube once a day there's some days I use it like multiple times there are days I don't use it at all but the ability to like you know I'd to go on the subway and I'd be on my like in my living room and, and just downloading whether it be a music video or something really interesting where I'm learning that ability alone was so awesome like I would have paid a few bucks a month so I guess what I'm really arriving to which is a bigger topic I want to talk about is should YouTube Red like can we offer features as as publishers that will incentivize people to pay without ad free being part of it? Like for instance, it's nine ninety nine for so, so, for so, ad free and saving offline exclusive content. But but back up, Mike. Yeah. Like, why, why would why would I want to do that as a publisher? Like, well, well, because well. Let's. The reason why I'm, I'm getting off on this tangent is, uh, and we're, we're going to post this also. There's a blog called Stratechery.com. It's by a guy named Ben Thompson, mm-hmm. really, really smart guy. He has a podcast also. We'll, we'll also tweet it out. He was talking about how he thinks this is the worst move ever for YouTube, not because they're not going to do well with these subscriptions. It's that when you're running, and I never thought about it this way, when you're running an advertising business with a paid content business, something is very convoluted about that because what you're doing is you're getting like who is paying 9.99 for YouTube Red? It's your most affluent part of the audience. It's the people that are willing to spend the most money. Obviously, like it's pretty evident because they're paying you 10 bucks mm-hmm. and you're removing them from your advertiser pool. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden when you think about your sponsorships and your takeovers and you know, Blue Apron trying to drive conversions for to their food delivery service the people that are most ripe to convert, you're now removing them from that ecosystem. I'll give you another analogy. A buddy of mine works over at a very major uh, online radio that we talk about frequently. And 
you know, they do promotions for their subscription uh, music service that is also ad-free. They just did a promotion that got like, uh, I think, 10% of their users to convert, where it's usually like a couple of percentage points. So, so these are users that are normally served ads? Yep, like a, using an online radio yep. where they hear that ad every four songs. Right. They got a record-breaking amount of people to go to premium because it was like a dollar for a three-month trial. Got it. And then Guess what happened to the ad sales guys? The ad sales guys are banging their heads on the wall. Yeah, because there's less ad inventory. Every yeah. time you convert to someone to this ad-free experience, you're losing all these interesting ways to market your your brands to it. And the whole point is supposed to be that if That's someone's really paying you Mike. a monthly fee, that it's far and away the better deal. But you know what? When you think about the $9.99 I pay Spotify, and I don't want to get too hardcore into the math, but I listen to Spotify two to three hours a day, which is... You know, I pay 30 cents a day is what it breaks down to, right? Uh-huh. $10 uh-huh. a month, 30 yeah, days, yeah. 30 cents a day. Yeah. At half a penny per play, you know, basically Spotify needs to pay out almost 20 cents per day to artists for my usage. They do about half a penny per play. So they're netting like 10 cents a day, which is about whatever it is. It's uh, right, right. It's not that they'd probably be making more money off me if they were advertising against me. Maybe. So, like, what? I, I think the logic, Mike. I, I mean, by the way, I, I, I think this is a very interesting view and perspective. It's, it's something, you know, I, I don't. I've definitely never thought about. So, I, I think it is sort of like, what is the opportunity? What is the real opportunity cost here? Right. Like net net, do we come out in front? I think the thought in most cases, at least, you know, I can speak to like the app world, especially when it comes to like things like games, right? Yeah. The thought is, and, and we all see this, guys, like the games are free. You download them and then a few levels later, they're like hitting you up for it's the in-app purchase model, right? right? Like, uh, you, you know, get the shinier sword or whatever else, right? And the logic, I, but, but, um, if you want to continue playing, we'll give you reasons to continue playing. So you can upgrade to the shiny new sword, or you can keep on playing. Right. And if you keep on playing, we'll serve you an ad, or hey, pl- you know, pay me something, and you get you you get upgraded. Right. I think the logic there uh, has always been there's going to be a certain segment of your user base that's willing to pay, and no matter what, there's always going to be a certain portion of your user base that's never going to pay. Doesn't matter what the price point in price point mm-hmm. is. In other words, it doesn't matter if it's nine dollars or or one cent. They're still not going to pay for anything in that app. And the idea really is, rather than completely cutting them out of the mix and saying you it's completely pay to play and you you you're not even getting in, which honestly was what the gaming model used to be, right? I mean, if you think about all these classic games, you had to pay to yep. buy the disc to play, right? Yep. And and if you look at now, like EA Sports, all these guys, it's all gone to the freemium model. And, mm-hmm. the, and I think the, the math behind it is, number one, once you get people hooked onto something, they're much more willing to like once you experience something, you're much more, and you know what you're getting, you're much more willing to pay for something in the future. That's number one. Number two, I think the idea is, you know, there's going to be a certain amount of people that are never going to pay for something, right? And rather than saying go away, you still monetize. Let's say 60% of your population is willing to pay and 40% aren't. It's better to say to the 40%, stay with us, and I'm going to serve you some some ads and still monetize those eyeballs. Totally agree. Um, like the way you're positioning this, basically you're saying like you're as soon as you start putting paywalls up, there's immediately a large percentage of people that are just going to bounce, right. right? So you are you're sacrificing your potential audience and your usage by by doing a mandate of a paywall. So let them in, let them in, mm-hmm. and then even a bunch of those people, well, no matter if you're giving them freaking 
whatever, um, the greatest thing ever, they're still not going to pay for it. So allow them to still help you monetize through ads. Right. right. But I guess where I'm, I guess where my antenna is really raised is the opposite approach. Whereas if you do have a paywall and there's this list of benefits, right? Because there's always benefits when you go past the paywall. If you could somehow keep ad free off that list of benefits, that seems like the golden ticket. So specifically, let, if, let me let me throw out an example. Pull it off. If you can pull it if off, you, and, and the reality is, most publishers are used to doing that, right? I'm not talking about traditional publishers. If you're a newspaper, your your magazine, right? That's like paywall. the old that's that's magazine, right? Yeah, yeah that's you pay for your magazine, and there's ads and, in it. And there's ads. Can we in get it, right? back to that place? I think we maybe can. I mean, a really basic example. Let's just use Forbes. Um, like I download their app. I'm getting content and notifications and it looks really good and it's great so I can do that as a free user and they're advertising against me and for 99 cents a month I can get maybe uh, the ability to save offline mm -hmm. which I think is definitely a, a nice benefit mm -hmm. and you know exclusive content that gets well, I, I think just to save me. offline it's also yeah yeah I, I get what you're saying yeah you know I mean I, I'm just giving yeah. an example yeah, yeah but and and like whatever even if you did pay the 99 cents there was still some branding and some things that could be considered ads but mm -hmm. tasteful you know woven in where it was Name not obtrusive yep. and yep. you know targeted well yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm drawing up like the, no, the listen, ideal scenario. I, I'm probably being very idealistic no, I, right I, now. I, I think you bring up a really good point. I mean, it, it's tricky, right? Because the world, the digital world especially, has taught us like serve me an ad and give it to me for free, or you don't see anything and it's beyond a paywall. I think the New York Times and some other brands are doing interesting things with that, where they're saying. You know, by placing a cookie, we'll, we'll we'll give you ten articles a month or whatever else. Right. Well, New York Times seems like because you told me it's a good mix. You right? told me that like New York Times, they're still running some ads against yeah, 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 their premium yeah. stuff. Yeah. So they're basically doing what I'm. They're, they're yeah, obviously they're, they're, they're always killing but, it. But, but listen, I mean, there's also like if you think about it, like cable companies, that's what they do, right? Yep. You pay for cable doesn't mean the ads go away on yep. TV. They're still there. As a matter of fact, Hulu, which is a streaming service, despite paying for Hulu, right? You. All this time, at least, you were able to basically, I forget what it was, like $9 a month, you get subscription to Hulu, but they were still running pre-rolls and mid-rolls. Now, did they, you hear about this? Yeah, like last month, they, this this actually, this is a great way to sort of end the discussion because mm -hmm. this is blowing my mind. Hulu, as you're as you're saying, seven ninety nine. Yeah. You get all this great, you know, on demand television, yeah. and they're running ads against you on your TV, on your phone. Which I'm like, these guys are killing it. They're right. getting me to pay an extra eight bucks and <laughs> yeah. running extra yeah. TV yeah. brand advertising against me. This is amazing. Right. Right. But they just rolled out for like three dollars more. So to, you get bumped from seven ninety nine mm -hmm. to eleven ninety nine, mm -hmm. and it's completely ad free. Mm -hmm. Seems mm -hmm. like an amazing deal for the consumer, but yeah. really stupid for Hulu. So, Am I looking at this wrong? No, I, I think, look, I mean, I hope the guys at Hulu have run the numbers. And, yeah. and, and they've said, <laughs> but, but well, they? the, 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 this works out. Yeah. You know, I, I'm sure there's a lot of really smart people there, and they've run the numbers. And, you know, their finance department probably, probably have, have done, like, uh, a cost analysis to these kind of things. But I, I see your point there. Like, you know... Are, is there a real sort of, um, are, are, are they giving, you know, I think the point you made about these are the most afflu affluent users based on the fact that they even have money to spend or yeah. are spending monies. Like, isn't that the user that your advertiser wants to reach the most and, and suddenly they're, they're off the book. So the people you're reaching are the shittiest ones. That, that's the sticking point for me. And mm. especially cause you know, we, we, we work with a lot of marketing firms, um, you know, Digital media and, and digital advertising is, is obviously an ex 
extremely fast growing business and industry. Um, I think there's. I think when we look forward, you know, five years into the future, like we all have very similar. Like if you saw the movie like Minority Report, uh-huh. like there's uh-huh. a lot of. I think what I'm what I'm headed towards right now is the ability to really track things and have a you know, cool ad lead to the appointment down the street to go check out a TV and then purchase something. Like, I think we're living in a world where the ability to track and connect marketing messages to actual purchases is only going to get better. So as this stuff is progressing and the advertisements are getting more interesting and like they're using tech to um, lead a consumer to a purchase, like that's a great that's going to be a great revenue stream for these publishers, which yep. is like literally like I'm using that Blue Apron example. Blue Apron's awesome for anyone that enjoys cooking. Blue Apron delivers you all these really great ingredients. It's not that cheap. It's like 25 bucks a month, right. but right. it's it's really cool. I'm just giving you a random example, but if Cooking Light can do a cool advertisement on their website and track back my conversion to Blue Apron, that's where we get out of the CPM model and we start talking about real purchases and real conversions. Yep. And that's where I think publishers are going to get paid. Right. So when you remove your, right. you know, right. Mike Rom, who's buying all this stuff because right. I'm a, right. I'm a advent consumer. Right. It just seems like a really big missed opportunity. No, I, th- I think you have a really good point there, Mike. It's, but it's, as always, every publisher should be thinking about this. Yeah. And it's yeah. just a, I always say it, but it's a good time to be a consumer because you're getting all this awesome crap for like $9 a month. 100%. And you can go Netflix and chill. It's yeah. Amazing. All right, well, that's it for the show this week. Thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, As always, we'll be back with some more fun stuff next week. Uh, Please be sure again to follow us on Twitter and uh, Facebook. uh, And uh, please do subscribe to this podcast. Let your friends in publishing or in tech know about us. And a shout out to our sponsor for the week, Maz Digital. Uh, Maz powers content. If you're a publisher or curator, if you're involved in content in any way, um, they probably have a a product for you to showcase and deliver your content. So give Maz a call. It's mazdigital.com. Yeah, mazdigital.com. And a lot of the stuff, Mike, that you and I talked about earlier in the segment about being able to get your content everywhere, watches, TV, all that stuff, that's what Maz does. So go check them out, mazdigital.com. Awesome. Good stuff, show. See you next week. See you next week, Mike. Bye. Bye.